0: You're listening to Gone Mobile, your input and output for all things.NET, mobile, and Maui. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gone Mobile. What's this? Gone Mobile is back. It's been a while. If you were a previous listener and subscriber, and maybe you just had a subscription still set, to gone mobile podcast and all of a sudden there's a new episode thanks for coming back if you're new welcome uh just wanted to take a minute to do some introductions again i'm jonathan dick uh you might know me as Redth on the internet r-e-d-t-h all one syllable finally the truth it's not two syllables doesn't matter just don't call me you know something bad um, and I am the .NET MAUI team and engineering lead at Microsoft. And of course, this podcast is my own set of words. <clears throat> and you might be wondering what happened to Greg Shackles. Well, Greg ha- is uh, still busy at Olo, still working on you know some systems there. I think he's moved up a few ranks, though. And Greg has graciously uh, agreed to step down with his host seat because he's not really doing so much in the .NET and mobile .NET world these days. And so in his place, uh, I've asked Alan Ritchie to join the show as a host. And Alan, very active in the the .NET ecosystem, the .NET MAUI, the Xamarin world. Uh, You might know some of his libraries. I'll let him talk about them in a second. Uh, But I've gotten to know Alan a little bit better uh, up up Canada way, like myself. So, um, you know, produced now from the great white north exclusively, this show. Um, So, Alan, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Alan Ritchie. I am the VP of Engineering at a company called Falcon.net, Falcon Technologies. Um, That's Falcon with a K. Why we chose that, I don't know, but it is what it is. Um, I've been doing Xamarin and Maui for,
0: I don't know, how long has it been around now? It's been a while. It's been quite a while. Because I think if I look back at the clock and figure out how long I've been at Microsoft, you know, and, and having been at Xamarin for a while too, it's, I think we're, I'm, we're in up to like eight years that I've been around. And of course, you know, before Xamarin there was mono touch and mono for Android and, you know, Yeah, with the Zimian too. days and yeah. that's when I started
1: my initial POCs was when the, when Miguel was at Zimian and Novell doing that so stuff.
0: Did you, were were you around in the fun days of like, before we had Things like debugger support in Monotouch. Yep,
1: yep. Yeah. That was that was a great time. It was, my my frustration was more when the the licensing server was a thing. Oh, <laughs> I don't know that that was that was some rough times. But uh, we we still managed to make some great things out of it. Yeah. Um, I started doing a lot of open source at that time. Um, you might have used user dialogs, maybe the geofencing. I, I did a whole bunch of plugins alongside James and others. Um, sorry if you had success or <laughs> lack of success with them. But uh, user dialogues is like the one that refuses to die. I wish it would, but people still use it.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, there's there's always a need
1: for dialogues in your apps, right? I suppose. And then people decided to say they were ugly, but it's just the native stuff, right? I don't do pretty. That's why, you know, I have a library called Shiny as well. A lot of people are using that in enterprises these days for GPS and push and all that fun stuff.
0: So is it named Shiny so because you don't make things pretty and you wanted some beauty in your life
1: exactly um and people used to have to update their nougats right away so some at one point i was doing like the the golem voice where
0: i need my shinies because
1: <laughs> um, they had to update nougats like zero day and oh yeah you know, if you saw the that days little when we had button right
0: with, like the alert it's like i okay go update
1: go yeah on. yeah you remember the days when android support libraries would update and people would be like why haven't you updated these yet jeez yeah. Like, okay, just just you know it came out today. Let's take a breather. So yeah, that was the name for the that was the reason for the naming. It was kind of a joke and the fact that you don't see anything with what it does.
0: And and Shiny lives on well today in Maui, right? I think we'll uh we'll definitely have to do some episodes digging into the details. Um one so one of the changes from the format going forward. <laughs> Uh Greg and I always tried to have a guest on and that was cool for a, a number of reasons cuz we got to talk to a bunch of different people and, and look at a different bunch of different topics but you know coordinating guests is is hard coordinating you know quality recording equipment and stuff is hard with guests too and um so yeah the the format going forward I think is going to be and hopefully everybody doesn't get too sick of of us too quickly but mostly us bantering back and forth about um, you know, a boot stuff that we're working on, about uh, things that we know in the ever see in the ecosystem, cool concepts, digging into like details, and and mostly, to be honest, done at Maui Centered because I think that's where we both spend a lot of our time. I, I'd still love to
1: get David Ort now on here. I love David, but he's notorious for like asking me the day before for a presentation <laughs> and saying, "Yeah, make it about twenty thirty minutes," and then giving me five or ten minutes to present.
0: So. I yeah. still love to get them on and just grind them just a bit. I'm I'm sure we will find opportunities to have you know guests here and there. Just uh, not not as a general rule going forward. I think. Um, so and t- today, you know, this is episode. It's episode 88, I think technically. However, it's kind of episode you know one of of the second season, I guess, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so we just really wanted to to jump on a bit, do some introductions. And then maybe talk a little bit about kind of the state of Maui, you know, what what we're up to, Uh, .NET Maui, the 8.0 release was out recently. Uh, We're we're working, there's going to be a service release coming and it's going to try some uh, new ways of distribution. Uh, One of the things we've been looking at is like, hey, can we make NuGet's a little bit kind of more of a thing again, at least for making it easy to update your project and stuff and try out previews or try out nightly builds and stuff. So anyway, like how how are you getting along with .NET 8 and Maui?
1: I've had pretty good success converting to Maui. Um, obviously some of the days in the Net 6 timeframe with the tooling was difficult, but yeah. Net 8 has been, I just haven't had any issues. The tooling's been coming along, um, been converting really well. Uh, collection view, a lot of the collection view blips are gone. Even got rid of the refresh view, even though I personally don't. I only use that for my ugly test projects. But hey, even that measurement's working now. So I yeah, definitely a lot PMCs.
0: of a lot of quality uh, work. You know, bugs kind of around quality went into getting fixed for Net8, and there's still stuff out there. I mean, collection views like one of the areas that's a little bit harder still to always have worked perfectly. And it's, I mean, it's a complicated thing to try and do across platforms and abstract away, but, um, yeah, we'll we're, you know, continue to focus on that for sure. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you're having an all right time of things. Uh, I've been busy for the last while converting my own app pool math to, to Maui and to.net eight Maui kind of dragging my heels a bit just because, Hey, I've been kind of busy with this work thing too. And- John says,
1: "Kind of, but he he's been rewriting pool math over and over. I think for probably yeah. two or three years now.
0: I mean, I've had that problem as well, right? It's like it's it's that kind of opportunity you get always to to rethink. It's like, oh, I can rewrite the stuff that I I didn't like how I did the first time because the app that is now, oh, the app is probably I want to say five or maybe six years old at this point. Like it's been around for a while. It's been in the store for a while. It's." It's doing well people seem to like it and use it but think about you know your code five years ago some of the, the decisions that you might have made and if you look back at that kind of code that you've written so long ago and that's where i was at where it just made sense to try no let's let's re-architect a bunch of stuff let's properly you know separate business view model type logic and everything and and one of the goals there was to allow me to, to bring it to, to Blazer wasm as well. So I could target the web. Um, and Hey, you're liking DI now too. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind of a big change with Maui right from the Xamarin forms days. We, we, I th- would like to say embraced even DI and, and kind of the host pattern, the host builder pattern and services uh, within Maui that wasn't really a thin in Xamarin. Um, yeah, what, what what are your thoughts there? What what else are we missing there still?
1: Um, I think you guys have done a really good job with kind of the whole lifecycle stuff. It allowed me to kind of get in there because, you know, a lot of those plugins, they need to get their, their hooks in somewhere. Like iOS has all their weird app delegate methods. Yeah. Um, Android, you know, you can't access anything if you're not in an activity. That's a fun one, constant fun one. Um, so those have been covered. I've obviously been doing DI for a while. Like Shiny used to kind of force it on the Xamarin Xamarin.Forms users. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dan Siegel and I, Prism fame uh, for Dan, um, him and I were kind of pushing DI for the longest time. Like, just come on, do this. But now that it comes out of the box, it's it, it makes it a lot easier for your kind of new users or people that aren't familiar with DI. Like, it's here. Uh, you need to start making use of it. Like, it's a good thing. It's been around in ASP.net core for jumping, I don't know. Yeah, I Can think I say you, 10 years more.
0: And, and, and to be fair, like performance, I think was always a little bit of a concern and maybe not super, you know, well-founded of a concern, I guess, although I will say like part of the, the, the move to Maui from a, uh, net perspective has been, you know, for people who don't really know the difference, there's, there's a history of, of runtime stuff, right? So in the early days, Xamarin was, I mean, it was all mono runtime and it still is technically mono runtime, but there, there is a difference. So there was mono, we, we like to refer it as the mono, mono runtime and the mono, uh, sorry, the.net mono runtime. And the reason for that is simply like the GitHub repository paths, like the mono org in GitHub has a mono repository that has the old mono, mono runtime, right? So we call it mono, mono. And then the .NET Mono runtime is the the migration of that Mono runtime into the .NET organization, and lots of different changes have gone into that, like tons of change. I don't think I don't think uh, people kind of have enough understanding or give enough credit to just how much like the old Mono is not the same as the new Mono runtime, um, and so lots of improvements there, optimizations, performance stuff. And so like part of that was also when we were looking at introducing more DI and, and more of the, the host pattern into Maui, The there was some work that went into performance optimizations and like the, the DI stuff was all built with the server workload in mind mostly, right? And so they didn't really optimize initially for or a mobile scenario, and, and those are different scenarios, and that's part of why the the mono runtime is still a thing even in .NET is because it is highly tuned to these mobile scenarios versus server. But more work had to go into the actual frame, you know, the .NET um, CLR and and all of the parts that we now share, uh, and to make it so that these things worked all right, and, and so that happened. And I think I think any you know, DI and stuff, like you said, it's important, it's helpful, it's useful. And I think it also performs reasonably well too, as long as you're not doing anything too crazy.
1: Yeah, the Microsoft extensions, the whole kind of package set there, um, there was some pr- early issues with logging, but the DI package has always been super fast. Um, what I tended to see in Xerun forms is everybody used Autofac for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Autofac is a beautiful package. It does some great things. Um, they probably set us all up for success and it just kind of did everything and the kitchen sink, which didn't really work out too well for for Xam- like a mobile app let yeah. alone xamarin forms um but you know we learn i've always had the luxury of working on like enterprise like big apps so startup performance wasn't the hugest concern um, because there were so many people touching it you just had to have a wider distribution of of architecture to be able to handle all the teams touching it so uh, but those that are doing like the prettier apps or the smaller apps, you know, they want that startup time. So it's yeah, just depends on what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, lots of work has gone into that, you know, part of the the performance uh, specifically too. But I think like at the same time, the the mobile, like the technology in the space has really obviously improved over the years, and we're we're I almost like to think like we're we're kind of a, coming to the middle point from the both ends of trying to make things faster, but also like the hardware helping do that as well. And so at this point, you know, I, I do really think we're with Maui, especially again, if you're not doing anything too wild in, in the startup path of your app, like it's for pool math is totally acceptable. The startup time it's, it's fast. I mean, it's, it's great. And, you know, to the, so much to the point that it's not really something that I worry about anymore. So I, yeah. I, I think, you know, enterprise apps give you a bit of that luxury too, but it kind of seems at this point, like it's, it's becoming less of a, a, a concern in general.
1: I mean, I've never, I've never actually seen the performance. Like if you're registering like 400 dependencies, yeah, you might see a little bit of a blip, but maybe you're overcomplicating things a bit. Yeah. And um, it's, and I
0: think it's not so much the, the dependency stuff that you're injecting or the quantity of it anymore, either. It's like, you know, you got, you got to. Being a mobile developer, and for anyone who like is coming to the space that's that's more new to it, and like Maui's a, a new thing that you're trying out, and maybe you're familiar with other workloads that you're developing for, you know, server or or desktop, uh, you do have to learn a little bit more about how the platforms work and how to optimize your own code so that you're not causing those bottlenecks too. Right. I will
1: say that the Android. Well, I I always if I'm going to experience a performance problem, I know a lot of people are the opposite. iOS just works for me. It's always Android. I get all my gray hairs, John, from from Android. I even lately just with all their permission changes in fourteen,
0: more gray hairs. It's always Android. Yeah, uh, Android is is often <clears> the challenging one there, and you know I I think part of that is just the platform changing a little bit more rapidly, or. You know, talking about kind of coming at things from different directions, like that's another area where I always like to think in the mobile space, like over over time, iOS started out very much like they didn't let you do anything, right? You you got your app in, running in the foreground. And other than that, no, we don't want you impacting like the battery life, the experience of the app or anything. Whereas Android was always go do whatever you want. You want to run a background service that the user doesn't know is running that, is sucking up all your battery? Have at it, right? Um, and I'm sure, like, we'll get into this with some of the shiny stuff too. I, it's it's increasingly to the point where there where iOS and Android are kind of converging in the middle again. Where Android keeps locking stuff down, right? And so every release, it feels like there's new permissions and new things to deal with in terms of how you, you can do stuff. In, you know, not within just the app being in the foreground. Um, so I'm I'm sure that's part of it from an Android perspective too.
1: Yeah, it's always something. They're always changing. There, one platform goes one way, the other one goes the other way, and I don't know. You guys must get a lot of, a lot of gray hairs from it too, with all the changes and all the Android X stuff. And
0: yeah, I mean one one thing that caught us off guard, I think, too, <clears throat> was um, there there were again there were permission changes uh, in I think some of the, the the battery and connectivity stuff where you used to be able to ask the system for you know, the state of something and now it's like, oh no, you actually need to do this a different way. Uh, And so there's always these changes coming down the pipeline. And that's part of what makes it so, so difficult or or challenging to build, build Maui, but then even just building apps, right? Because again, you as the developer have to be sort of aware of these changes too. And you have to know not just one platform, you have to know like a, a little bit or at least enough detail of a bunch of different platforms to be able to be successful. Well, that's one of the key things, right?
1: Like APIs, like the, the architecture kind of changes a little bit. Web, I mean, they come up with a new JavaScript framework seemingly every other month. Um, but it the the platform's not really moving on you yeah. as much. You look at mobile, it's, you know, if you haven't compiled in six months, you know, you might not have a new Android release, you have new iOS APIs, etc. The target's moved on you and you don't know if it's 100% working anymore. It's it's one of those things you got to constantly keep up with.
0: Yeah, and th- and this is where I I see a lot of, um, and I think there's a, just a lot of, you know, learning that has to happen again in this space where we have, um, you know, some customers coming and saying like, hey, I I I really want just like a long term release of of Maui like we do for like ASP.NET, and you know, the unfortunate reality is we can't really do that because we're we're obligated to follow Google and Apple and they're changing stuff from under you and and in order to for instance to keep shipping your applications to the store and and yeah maybe there's some enterprise deployment stuff going on where like you don't have to necessarily build with the the latest xcode um to actually distribute internally or something i think that's a very small subset of of apps that are out there.
1: I think you have to request permission from almighty Apple to get that though.
0: Well, you have to, you have to get the enterprise deployment permission for one. Yep, And then, you know, even still like that doesn't really insulate you from, oh, iOS 17 or iOS 18 broke something. And now you need to like fix your app to, to deal with it. And the only way to do that is to compile against or with the newest Xcode, right? At some point. And so we we've kind of had to try and, and get the, the message out there for people that, well, you know, in theory, it would be great to provide something that you could, you know, use .NET Seven or .NET Eight now for years into the future as a as a long term release with Maui. It's just not really tenable from a, a you know, what we depend on in the whole stack that we're sitting on perspective. We're we're obligated to move forward.
1: If you think about the, about it though, in the Xamarin space, it always was that way. People yeah. just didn't realize it wasn't as apparent. Well, it was. You'd have a build error, right? And you'd have to move your libraries forward. Now it's just move your cadence forward with .NET, and presumably you've got a good majority of uh, everything moving forward with you. Presu- close. It's
0: close. It's not perfect. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's still Android X, and it's supposed to be better mm-hmm. than support, but uh, it's not quite.
0: Yeah, and and I think you know to an extent, like moving moving that all forward in in the Xamarin days, like I, I mean. I think we're seeing, you know, more people who are coming from other walks of developer life. And like I said, like maybe they were web de- developers primarily or desktop and, and are used to kind of having that slower cadence of things and now realizing jumping into it where maybe they, they've never been in the Xamarin space. Right. So I think there's more of the realization too, or the expectation of like, oh, this is how it works over here. But now I have to kind of learn that that's not really the case in the mobile space.
1: It it probably gets a little bit easier for them now with Blazor as well, being in mm-hmm. the, the game a little bit. I mean, you didn't really have that in Forms and now it's in Maui, right? So
0: yeah. Yeah. And, and we're seeing a lot of people that are, are taking an interest in like the, the Blazor hybrid app. And, and probably that's a whole other episode too, right? Like, I, I don't know if, if it's... Uh, you know, super well or widely understood at this point, just how like interesting of a combination that is, especially on desktop where you can have your, your Blazor, you know, code, you can reuse that in a, in a Maui app. And, and there's always like, I think I, I know I've heard like Dan Roth and others at conference talks and stuff, trying and hammer the point home, which is like, it's not, you know, it's a, it's a hybrid app, but it's not the same in the sense of like, it's not Node running, you know your your web code and stuff. It's you are actually running in that process. You're, it's not a web assembly. It's you know that the the, the web view, yes is rendering the content within that control, but that all the C sharp code that's that's talking to that you know that's running in the same process as the .NET app itself. And so when you start, to, you can start to do cool things, right? Like you can take Shiny and you can use it to do background tasks that you could kick off and queue up from like your laser, you know, your razor code, for instance, right? Like you could, you could pass all of those things in together. Um, and so one, it's just, it's, it's great from a, a coding perspective because you're not really segmented between these worlds. It's not like you have to figure out how to, how to get stuff back and forth across that boundary really. Uh, but the other part of it is just performance. Like it's, it's, it's way faster than trying to do like a, you know, a, a, a JS process inside of the app that's doing stuff.
1: One of the the big things we've seen from a business perspective is having, having that hiring pool, because just about everybody's seen a legacy app that's in MVC, a few ASP.NET web forms still floating out there, but everybody's touched MVC. Yeah, uh, that's been in dev for a few years. And all of a sudden, you're able to take that skill set and drop them in because not everybody has worked with XAML. Um, sure as heck they haven't worked with Xcode and, and kind of all the stuff that goes on there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess Android XML still looks fun. Uh, not that that's changed very... I guess the Android kind of UI hasn't changed that much, but certainly, yeah, not really. certainly the iOS stuff has and XAML yeah. hasn't, you know, they haven't worked with it. So all of a sudden you've got all these MVC developers who either needed to upgrade or, you know, stop devving and now all of a sudden you have access to them to bring them into blazer and it's just you know now you can take all that this this old workforce and and use them in a mobile app potentially
0: H- have you done much like mixing of blazer stuff into Maui apps yet
1: not so much mixing it's been straight it's like um, one or the other kind yeah, of yeah it's it's not a you know you're not swapping between xaml and blazer it's either all all or yeah. nothing in that but uh you know, I've had a couple of successes with the Razer uh, dev teams moving over, and all of a sudden they're mobile devs. I mean, they still go through the whole process of setting up Apple, which you yeah, know, that's fun. You, you gotta joy. Do. <laughs> you know, that's it. It's one of those things. Uh, you notice they say Apple there, unfortunately, but once you get you know your Mac and all the provisioning profiles and that junk set up, they're all of a sudden now mobile developers uh, in a in a small manner. They can get the yeah. UI done, which is a big part of the work and you know, that, that's, that's a big thing. That's a huge thing for companies, um, to reuse that talent pool.
0: And, and that's, you know, a nice, like first step toe in, into the water, right. too. where, where you're a mobile developer, even though you maybe haven't done much with the mobile APIs, but like now at least you've, you've gotten to the point where maybe you've, you've migrated your app, your, your blazer assets to run there. And now you can start kind of, the, the process of oh well, how how do I mix other stuff into here right how do I mix uh, I know I was talking to someone uh, actually fairly local to me uh, a friend that that works on a you know Blazer website for a particular you know industry app and they have mobile apps now for it which is kind of like you're saying they like just basically plunked in the the Blazer stuff into the app and that's where they're starting it's a Maui app but they're you know they're now mobile developers. And now he's starting to to look at, well, how do I mix in, you know, stuff like deep linking or how do I mix in notifications? And, um, you know, just being that far ahead and and having your app actually working in there and and being in that app container and that shell of an app, you know, at least puts you at the point where it's like, okay now I can. I'm not learning a whole stack. I I have to learn some new stuff, but I I know a good baseline amount. Well, it's funny,
1: too, because we talk about XAML being. You know something they have to learn, but it's it's funny how many new devs uh, to mobile uh, or at least .net mobile think that like uh, notify property changed or INPC mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. MVVM or whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to refer to, it's all the same thing. Uh, think it's magical, right? And it's basically at the end of the day an event emitting a string. Yeah, and there's a lot of there is a lot of stuff that kicks off and reflection and the whole nine yards, but they they treat it as this magical thing because they don't really. See it. So that's yet another. If you're going to do the xaml you need the MVVM. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like a whole architecture rethink, um, as well as the UI, How we how we do the UI, right? Yeah. So yeah. if if you're in Razor, you're doing it just like you did
0: before. Now, one of the my, my kind of, I'm not going to go as far as to call it a dream. Uh, but one thing that I've thought about often in that kind of world of bringing Blazor assets over is, you know, what's kind of the next level interesting in terms of mixing those things together? So when I was going through taking pool math and I, I re-architected it so that I could reuse all my view models, my na- you know, I I abstracted out the navigation side of things uh, so that I could implement it in MAUI and I could implement it in in Blazor in a Blazor WebAssembly app. And that got me thinking, well, okay, I don't still love writing the UI twice, right? I, ha- I did it once for XAML and I did it once for Blazor. For, uh, so, you know, could I start to conceivably bring parts of that UI from Blazor over to my MAUI app? And and yeah, I could take the whole thing and move it all over. But that's, that's not my goal. I, <laughs> I like the, you know, the native feel of some parts of my app a lot, and I think it's worth it To myself and to my customers, my users to keep making parts of like the most highly interacted parts of the app there's like a a list that people scroll through there's a page with like some dashboardy kind of information about your pool, and like those are the two main parts of your app that you're interacting with, so I want to keep those as native but there's other screens like there's a a page that you go to to configure your pool settings, so like the how how much water is in your pool um you know, what sorts of things are you tracking that aren't necessarily something that you have to track to have like good water chemistry in your pool. And that kind of page to me screams like, well, this is something you don't access that often. If I have the same kind of look and feel emulated in Blazor as I do in the native app, maybe there's an opportunity to start mixing just parts of it in together. And so I haven't really gone too far down that road. I I did a little bit of testing on that idea um there's maybe some things to think about like i don't want to hit the button to navigate to that page and then have like an empty web view while the thing loads up right so maybe can i can i do that loading ahead of time and and have it kind of ready to go so there's some things like that but um that's kind of the the next level that i i'm thinking hopefully we start seeing from some of the blazor stuff coming over is like how do you optimize your app experience around some of the mobile parts but you know leverage that sharing in, in places where it makes sense.
1: It, it, it makes sense, I guess, if you're, you you know, you're your own boss and that your own architect and everything, I think you'd find most companies, at least in what, what I've experienced is it's one or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, it just, that, like I said, the, the, the web view style of things, it just makes it easier for those guys to come over. Um, I haven't noticed much of a difference in terms of speed. But I've never really had a speed issue, like even with collection views. Um, you can get some really hairy rendering, obviously, with like grouping and stuff. But I think the craziest one I was talking to you about the other day was like a flex layout with grouping. Um, <laughs> so that gets a little bit wild. That might have yeah. been easier to do in a in a Blazor web view for sure. Um, but yeah, that's pick your poison, but the blazer web view is in my opinion, it's been just as fast as doing it in native. So, but I know people are going to have different experiences there.
0: And I think it probably depends on like requirements for the app too, right? Like you said, if you, if you're dealing a lot with enterprise apps, um, probably, you know, having like a, that, that last few percent of like that speed and kind of feel of the app is less important from, because you're building an app that, you know, accomplishes a task. Right. Um, and and maybe more of the user facing uh end user kind of apps in the store. Uh and that's where I kind of you know sign pool math to. It's like I, I I care a little bit more than just the functionality of it, um, because that's that's part of the you know, the sale of it, I guess, right?
1: Right. Well, and and there's a difference in size of screens, right? Like the mm-hmm. the, the, the app I'm talking about is probably about fifty screens. There's apps I've seen with like a hundred and fifty screens. Yeah, that's so- that'd be a lot of
0: work to do twice.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big one for sure.
0: All right. So, um, anything else that, that you we're missing, that's kind of new and interesting with Maui, I guess the one thing that we didn't really, I don't know, I, I had thought maybe for those that might be coming over from Xamarin or want the history lesson to an extent, you know, maybe we would talk a little bit about some of, of the different parts of Maui. And one of the big parts is the idea that we have this concept of handlers and, you know, the, the idea of separating out kind of the core of Maui uh and and how we reuse the the mapping if you want to call it that to like the native controls on each platform. So for one I'm curious how much you've had to dive in or not to do anything with like handler customization. Did did you in your Xamarin apps do a lot of custom renderer stuff? So we used to call them renderers, right? And yep. it's like you could do that and And they're sort of abstracted away a little bit more than that in Maui, but the concept is similar. So yeah, do you do you do you handle handlers? Um, I haven't. I guess I can say I haven't had to do a
1: ton. Usually, I'm able to get by with a with a good portion of like styling and you know, Mm -hmm. just general XAML stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of a good case. For for me, when I have been porting, kind of the custom renderers, the biggest. Savings there is seeing both code like both paths registered like they yeah um, with a single project right so that was something you couldn't really do successful yeah. in cut um, you you couldn't really have that multi-targeted library and then reference it for debugging in the Xamarin apps it just didn't quite work it was the two mixing the two project styles that didn't yeah. really work um, and now all of a sudden that does work so you can have that multi-targeted file okay I made this change on. You know, the iOS side, there's the Android equivalent right there. Maybe I have to do something funky with Catalyst. I don't work with Windows. I so said I wouldn't say anything controversial. <laughs> um, but ideally it's right there too. So you can see all of the things that you're mixing and matching. Um, and it's really easy to set up like custom labels without, you know, you had to register it in your shared code. Then you had mm-hmm. to register it in the platform. And now it's all just right there in, in basically one file. Um, so there's definitely some savings there, uh, in terms of time. Um, but for me, it's been mostly porting and the porting has gone relatively smooth. Um, there's just been no issues for me there.
0: Have, have you found that you like, cause I know one of the things when I was, um, porting pool math too, is I, I had a few cases anyway, where I had maybe like some custom render stuff that I was able to either drop or like, just kind of handle without needing, renderer anymore i I don't know if that's been your experience or not there was
1: definitely a ton of that because there's now drop shadows basically everywhere yeah Um, some of
0: that stuff yeah
1: rounded corners everywhere Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, a lot of that stuff is just coming out of the box now so you can get rid of a lot of it like you just you guys have done a good job kind of covering those cases now again i don't do the pretty i don't (laughs) i don't really make things pretty somebody has to tell me how to make them pretty so I don't tend to hit those problems that others might, but um, with all the stuff coming out of the box, it does save me personally that time. And the handlers, like I said, it makes, it, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to port those suckers now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, cause you can see all the code without having to jump all over the place. Less spaghetti, maybe.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Cause I you used to kind of have to have, do the whole, you know, dependency service kind of pattern for a lot of stuff too. Right. And that's, now when it's all in one project it just like it just makes it easier it's it's much more simple um so that that's another one that feels like i feel like i've been doing maui stuff for like so long now that i almost forget some of the things that we didn't have in Xamarin um so that that's in that category i'm like oh yeah we used to not be able to do that so cleanly um, Well,
1: and, and remember there was always that startup time with Xamarin forms cuz it would go and detect it had like the I'm going to call it poor man's dependency injection, right? And it went yeah. and did that assembly scanning for all those things. Oh, yeah. And that was slow. Yeah. And now it's just you have to register it explicitly, and it, it's not slow because it's just registering against the same DI or DI? Yeah. It's still DI. Well,
0: yeah. I, I Yeah, I, for, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot or completely systematic. about those, like, assembly level attributes that you would add and to set that all up, too. Yeah, that, that took a while as well
1: yeah that was that that could be a big slowdown if you had a ton of renders and now it's just not it just kind of it's just a registration like anything else so that's another big win with the with the porting
0: yeah lots lots of little things like that and that's kind of been on the same path as other performance stuff too right where we we made the decision like yeah it might it might mean that porting stuff over is like you have to make a change because that won't work in in maui although i think we had a way you could enable that to still work um but by default it was no you're you're not we're not going to do that because we don't want to we, we don't want to obligate you into the slow path here or or let you you know easily take the slow path because we want to we want everyone to be successful so um,
1: could have written source generators for that now now i'm thinking about it we we, we talked
0: about stuff. doing that um that was, you know, early source generator days too, where we kind of talked to some of those teams and, and the recommendation was like, hold, slow down, hold on there. Uh, don't turn everything into a, into a source generator because, you know, we're still kind of figuring out the best way to, to recommend writing them. And, and at that point too, originally source generators didn't have incremental build stuff, right? Yep. So they were um, slow that was the idea they were they were not fast and that was a, a big thing um and so the one thing though that we we did know we wanted and needed to make into a source generator was the um the xaml not the xaml compilation yet the um the the, the code behind generation stuff right so when you add a an x name to your your control in your xaml file that all generates some c sharp code and so that got all converted over to source generators and then at, you know Improved upon to to include support for incremental source generator uh, builds, but that's all done that way. And and one we kind of had to because for the C sharp hot reload stuff to start working, um, Roslyn has to be aware of changes and the the changes we were generating the old way it wasn't aware of, and so that caused some problems, uh, or would have caused some problems. But the other thing has has been just to you know improve the how that all works behind the scenes, and I. I mean, I I think it it's noticeably, uh, or maybe not noticeably better, and that's kind of the point, right? Like it just works.
1: Well, and that that's the cool thing, right? Think about all the tooling now you gain uh, mm-hmm. in Maui because the, the 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 whole the whole tool chain is all kind of coming together as one. So now you get to take advantage of all these things like the source generators um, and stuff that that we just inherit.
0: Yeah, and, and that's really been like that under underscores underlines the theme of the move to dot net for maui right which has been try and, and unify more with everything else dot net and there's more coming too I, I i can't really get into detail right now on it but before worry, long you'll, I'll you'll I'll be you'll picking you for the, the course <laughs> of these chats to try and get it out of them uh so you know, that, that continues to be the theme and, and we saw that even with stuff like uh I don't know if you've profiled any apps yet, but that's been kind of a cool thing that's gotten a little bit better over time. Well, one that it works at all now with like the the what is it, DS router and DS dot net trace and on those things. You can you can get um like trace lo- uh, files and speed scope logs that you can then start looking at and profiling your apps. And we've we've learned a lot that way. I mean, I'm sure If you're listening to this, probably you're aware of of some of like the blog posts and stuff from from Jonathan Peppers on these subjects where he's dove just super deep into performance stuff. Um, But that's kind of, again, like the theme of like, let's push everything more to be more unified with the rest of .NET and make things work better together.
1: I, I haven't had to do a ton of profiling, thankfully. The only major issue, I think there was an app that you and I were working on and we just mm-hmm. had a, a Mac Catalyst where it would render all the five thousand items I put out because it wasn't measuring, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. And it was clear as day as soon as I, as soon as we added that list, it was like, wow, that's a little slow. Yeah. And that's all it was. It was yeah. just a measurement issue. As soon as we set a height on it, that was it. Like it, if 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 you're doing things smart. You know, profiling is it. I, I'm not going to say it's unnecessary, but it's it's something you can do down the road because you should normally see that issue almost right away. Right.
0: Well, and I, I mean, to be fair, that's also that's the first rule of optimization, right? Is don't. <laughs> yeah, you end up usually causing the problems that you exactly. were fighting in the
1: first place. I keep seeing that too. It's it's like a daily thing.
0: Yeah, it, it has there? been. Uh, it is definitely one of those things you want to you want to dig into only when you're you're really looking to squeeze more more out of something or like you're you're looking for a problem that's maybe not really a problem but you want to find it anyway that's yeah. that's how i kind of look
1: yeah um, it's a, it's an engineering thing it's it's, <laughs> it's like one of our, our god-given flaws i guess a lot of the times i think as i've gotten older i stopped doing it i'm like yeah it works it's a good it's, it, most of the time it's all something remote anyways it's never rendering yeah knock on wood hopefully
0: All right. Well, I also want to add a section that I'm, I'm hoping we make a regular thing to the podcast. Um, and that is currently named, this is a working title. Maybe we keep it, maybe we think of a better name because it's going to be hard to say, which is plugin package or product. And I just want to make it some space to have us highlight something that we found that is interesting or cool. So like a new get package or plugin, some, product that has helped with our workflow or you know development and so this week I thought I would um, do the honors of picking one and actually maybe you kind of picked it too because you sent me the information that I was asking for um, so this week's plugin package or product is a library called compiled bindings and uh, you sent this to me when I was mentioning to you that hey like I really want to start thinking about what we could do to make XAML a better experience because there's some common stuff that I do in XAML all the time that I have, you should see my folder of, uh, custom, uh, type converters that I have for pool math. There's like a lot of them and and they're not all very like difficult. Sometimes it's just, uh, uh, if you know, this Boolean value, I want to be able to convert it to like a color or something. And and there might be some of those now in like the community toolkit it you know i have these things from years and years of code left over john's a
1: purist to be fair he will write everything from scratch if he's given the chance so unless you show him something he will he will write it from scratch so that's why i had to show him this one
0: and i i you know to also be fair i i know sometimes i get uh i just kind of do those changes to my view model right like you know, when you're you're writing the code and you're like, okay, I really need to be able to bind this and I could do a converter or I could just add another property to my view model that gives me the value I want, right? Which, you know, that's fine. I I think I still do that in places probably. But I have a lot of cases where I had these type converters because I wanted to do something simple. Um, whereas, you know, in, in something like Blazor, because you can write C-sharp right in your Razor code and, and you can do stuff like, take this, this value from my view model, but then, you know, add like the temperature unit, uh, if it's Fahrenheit or Celsius, depending on some value in the user settings or something like that. Right. And these th- kinds of things just become kind of tedious with XAML. And so you had sent over this library and we'll put the link to it in, in the show notes too, um, which basically gives you like x support and a bunch of just really interesting niceties to introduce into your XAML. So that you can do more, you can do things, uh, you know, with more operators, you can do like null check kind of, if, if this, then that else, you know, other thing, uh, there's some casting and stuff. There's just other logical operators that you can introduce that you really can't do with the out of the box SAML. And I think the other interesting thing here is that I haven't, I haven't done my due diligence just yet. Um, but the, the library does say that it compiles these things, so it's not, we're not done using a bunch of reflection or anything like that, presumably, uh, which is going to be increasingly important as you know, we, we work more on making apps, trimmable and stuff. Um, so yeah, this is a cool library. Um, I don't know. Have you used this much yourself or if you just know about it,
1: I have this this was a fun one because i found this one separate i was looking for there, there's several of these that exist mm-hmm. and this one i found because i i found the wrong library for you there was another one i had used that was very similar and i was like oh this one this one works too here try this one out yeah um so i kind of used john as my guinea pig there because i hadn't tried this particular one that he's talking about um but same concept right it's it's X-bind. Mm-hmm. it kind of saves you doing you know, if you do a lot of triggers and stuff, I tend to do triggers, which are extremely verbose. Yeah. I, if I, if, you know, I have the carpal tunnel to prove it from that, I can mm-hmm. do a lot of heavy XAML and triggers and stuff. Cause I, I don't like to do the type converters, but, um, this thing, it, it looks awesome.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's something that, you know, I kind of took back to the team too and said like, let's like, look at this, like, this is cool. Let's m- maybe spend some time playing with it and see, you know, if there's anything that, um, makes sense to, to think about incorporating into the core product too right the more that that i think you know xaml is is not you know it's not going anywhere anytime soon um i would love for us to introduce some new you know concepts that you could either use with or or beside xaml um i'm particularly you know interested in in more of the c sharp kind of coding and markup to declare your uis um but Zamel's here for a while and it, it works. I have a huge app, I have a lot of XAML, it still works well. Um, no reason to, to throw it out, but if we can kind of improve how to use it, I think that will be an interesting place to be for a while too.
1: Certainly, cutting down
0: on the verbosity with stuff mm-hmm. like
1: XBind and like this package, it's a big one. It you don't realize how much extra typing you do for some of this stuff, and
0: it's well, it's like the grid, uh, row and column definitions, right? Like, oh, remember. Yeah. Like I don't think forms ever got the the shorthand, right? Like I am. It's it's only it's only in Maui. I think we introduced the and maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't remember. But you used to have to like do inside, you know, the grid you, grid dot or uh, row definitions, and then you would do row definition as another tag, and for each row you had a, a separate tag, right? I'm
1: pretty sure it made XF5 because I've been doing maybe it, it, it did in an old classic maybe it project did. recently, and it's working. So okay, yeah. quote me on that, which one. is which is good. Yes, um,
0: but stuff like that, right? Yeah, it's like something so simple if you can make it it easier it's much more pleasant so that's uh that's the pick this this episode um i think that about does it for today uh just throw it out there if if you are subscribed still like i said at the top of the show from from forever ago you know thanks for for keeping it around and hopefully you keep the subscription and check out the new episodes if you are new to the episode you know we'd appreciate subscription uh even more appreciative if you're willing to drop us a review on one of the the podcasts, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts or something. That would be fantastic if you like the show. And if you want to reach out to us, if you have an idea for a topic for the show, or maybe you have an idea for the plugin package or product that we think we should check out, um, hit our website. Go to gonmobile.io. There's a contact page there, and you can leave us a voice message on SpeakPipe if you want you can send an email reach out to us on on twitter or x or whatever it's called these days or mastodon i think i don't know if you're on all the other ones but we'll we'll get your handles on on all of the different threads and mastodons and social platforms that you might want to be reachable at um, They're called check toots. us out They're called yeah toots. exactly exactly check us out there and uh yeah let us know what you think or if you have any uh, suggestions so i think that just about does it any others you good, Alan? I'm good. Well, cool. thanks everyone for watching. Listening. Thanks, everybody. See you soon.